Welcome to the 64th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Today we are here to discuss UFC Vegas 55, aka Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira. And after that, we have a handful of fight bookings to talk about um, that is headlined by one championship fight. And then the rest are kind of fights that are just outside of the rankings, but fights that should be fun fights. So we're going to go over those and I'll give you opinion, my opinions on all of those fights. Um, and then at the end, we're going to touch briefly on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, I know I said in the past I wasn't going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter, but um, we're going to touch briefly on that at the end. And um, we're going to do that because there is no fight card for next week. Um, we have an off week this weekend, and then the following week we are back at it with Jorginho Rosenstrike and Alexander Volkov. So we will cover Volkov and Rosenstrike in next week's episode. So um, just avoid some confusion there. So uh, now that we've got all of that out of the way, uh, let's get right into Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira. Now, um, let me just say first and foremost... Um, uh, we need to figure out the judging here. Uh, it's getting kind of ridiculous. And this wasn't just one fight where Holly Holm and Ketlin Vieira had some very bad scorecards. It is also in the Santiago Pantanibio and Michelle Pijeda fight. And then from there, the Eric Anders fight and the Jung Young Park fight also had some questionable scorecards. So um, we need to figure out judging. There are some issues. All three of the fights on the main card um, were questionable decisions. With that being said, uh, I, I've spoken openly about not really liking having arguments about judging because at the end of the day, it's kind of subjective and pointless. Um, but I think it's really hard to give Ketlin Vieta um, a win over Holly Holm in this one. When you're looking at it, I think Ketlin Vieta clearly won round two. Um, and I think Holly Holm clearly won rounds one and round five. Now, rounds three and four are the rounds in question. And I really just have a hard time believing that you can give both of those rounds to Vieira. Even if you want to give one to Vieira and have it going 2-2 two, two into five, Holly Holm wins the fifth round. I really struggle seeing Holly Holm win both of those rounds. Um, it really just doesn't make much sense to me. And even Vieira's corner told her she was down 3-1, go get a finish, going into five. Um, could that have been just a light of fire underneath her? Possibly. Um, but at the end of the day, still, you know, I, I really think that's a questionable outcome to that fight. Which, it, in, the, in the larger scheme of fights getting scored the wrong direction... This is not really that big of an issue because I, I did watch that fight and say, okay, I think Ketlin Vieta is the better fighter, right? But I think she lost the fight. And what I mean by that is you're just looking at the X's and O's. Vieira did land the more powerful shots, right? Um, however, I think Holm was a lot more effective. And I think Holm did a good job of getting a lot of control time up against the fence. And even if you don't like scoring control time, um, for a fighter holding another fighter up against the cage, I think that constitutes as effective grappling in a way. Um, you're grappling your opponent up against the fence. It's not really your traditional form of grappling. However, um, I, I think here in this Holm versus Vieira fight, 
the biggest factor of that is Holmes had 10 minutes of control time up against the fence. 10 minutes. Um, so it wasn't necessarily the quantity of the control time up against the fence. It was the quantity. And because Holm did such a good job of holding Vieira up against the fence, Holm wasn't, or Vieira wasn't, Vieira, excuse me, wasn't able to get off some of her more powerful strikes. Um, she did a very good job of hitting Holly often when it was on the feet and when they were in striking exchanges. And Vieira is very powerful. Um, I was surprised she was able to hit Holly at the percentage that she was. Holm is very good defensively. And Vera did a really good job against Tate in her last fight, really hitting 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 Tate with some of those more powerful straights and, and some longer shots. But I, I thought Holm was going to be a lot, a lot better defensively. And in this fight, Holm looked a tad bit slower than she did in her last fight against Eldana, which I think is part of aging two more years and going from 38 to 40. So... I didn't think that was going to be a big issue going into this fight, uh, but it ended up being a, a little bit of an issue. I think the biggest problem was Holm could get inside at the same speed, but she wasn't able to get out of range at the same speed she is used to, and she found herself getting caught um, at the end of exchanges with powerful shots from Vieira. Um, Vieira also had a deep choke in round two, and that almost finished the fight. And I thought Holm was going to tap. You see her hand is wavering like this for a second. And um, it's hovering over the arm, looking like she's going to tap. And she slips out at the last second. So, um, overall, I think Vieira looked to be the better fighter, right? If I were to buy stock in one of these fighters moving forward, I would go with Vieira. I think she looked better. And she's obviously a lot younger. Um, however, Holm, what ultimately won her this fight was her fight IQ. And her strategy of getting that control time against the fence. And I know I said what whole, what won home this fight. Um, and I said that because I am very confident that she won that fight. Um, but that is what led her to the success, you know, was holding Vieira up against the fence. She knew that. Her team knew that. So that's what they were doing. Um, Holm is very good at identifying, okay, this is my route to victory. This is, will get, this is what will get me a decision victory. Um, if I do this all night, it will get me a decision victory. In this fight, it was holding Vera up against the fence. And she did her game plan to a T. However, she did not get the victory at the end of the day. So, um, it's kind of a, a not that fun of a fight to talk about because, you know, the, the judges probably got it wrong. The the fight itself wasn't particularly entertaining. Round five was very entertaining. Round two was pretty entertaining. Round one wasn't bad. But three and four was a lot of home just holding Vieira up against the fence. It wasn't the greatest fight in the world. Um, so I don't really have much more to talk about uh, in, in this one. Um, so we're going to move on to kind of booking these two women up. Now... Um, Vera is going to be the number one contender for a championship. And somehow I pulled up the UFC rankings in Spanish. And, all right. Okay, we're back in English. That was strange. Anyways, um, there was something wrong with the UFC website. So this might, okay. 
the UFC website is kind of being all screwy, but we are going to get through it. So, um, booking these women up in the future, you have in the... Okay, here we are. Um, sorry, sorry. I'm all scattered, scatterbrained because we've got some some issues here on, on the UFC website. Anyways, um, you have Catlin Vieira who is going to move up to at least that number two spot in the rankings. And I think Vieira is going to get the next title shot barring a couple of outcomes, right? There are some things that will hold her from a title shot, uh, but she is in a good position to get a title shot in the near future. Um, so she's going to get moved up to two. And at 135 pounds, there are two things in question. Uh, we've got Pena and Nunez, who will be fighting in a rematch. If Nunez wins, we're going to see a trilogy. It's as simple as that. And that puts Caitlin Vieira behind the eight ball. Sorry, there's nothing you can do about it. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be a trilogy. I hate to break it to you. If Juliana Pena wins, however, um, and say she wins again in convincing fashion, say that Pena goes out there and chokes Nunez out again, um, I think... Kellen Vieira is a very good option. However, I think the other option is Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko seems destined to be a double champion. She looks great at 125 pounds. Right now, she is uh, scheduled to book Talia Santos on the next UFC pay-per-view. If she's able to beat Santos and does so convincingly, she will have wins over the number one, two, and three fighters in that division. So there isn't much left for her at 135 pounds at the moment, or excuse me, at 125 pounds. Um, you do have Alexa Grasso, Manon Fior, and Viviane Arajudo um, sitting at five, six, and seven, however. So if one, of, if one of those women can go out there and get a win or... Fior, especially if she can go out there and get a win or maybe even two wins. Um, there's some women out there who can put themselves in a really good position to challenge Shevchenko. However, I really believe that Shevchenko moving up to 135 pounds makes sense. And it makes sense right now. Um, by doing so right now, going up to 135 pounds with a Juliana Pena win, you give the division time to build up a couple more contenders. So she can go up and face Pena. She, if she beats Pena, now she's a double champ. And then she can go from there, determine, you know, does she want to relinquish the belt? Does she want to move up to 135 permanently? Uh, does she want to go back down to 135 and defend? And then if she wants to go back down to one, or excuse me, if she wants to go back down to 125, excuse me, um, she can do that and there will be a clear and deserving challenger. So I think right now basically would be the good time for Shevchenko to move up to 135. So um, we are talking about Ketlin Vieira here. So I think Ketlin Vieira, Vieira, excuse me, I keep just, I keep putting every single letter in her name and just putting it into one and just absolutely butchering her last name. I think Vieira here, I think she gets a title shot if Pena wins and Shevchenko doesn't want to test the waters at 135. If those two things happen, I think she gets a title shot. Otherwise, I think she fights Irene Aldana or Raquel Pennington to kind of set herself apart um, from the remainder of the division. And then she can face um, whoever the champion is when that time comes. Um, so she can add one more and then get another fight. Or 
if things play out right, she can get another, um, or she can get that championship fight right away. Now, for Holly Holm, I'm interested to see where she goes in the rankings. Right now, she's sitting in that number two spot with a win over the number three spot. I imagine she's only going to slide down one spot to the number three spot. Now, what's next for her? She's already got a win over Renee Aldana at three, and she's got a win over Ra- Raquel Pennington at four. Um, Iana Kutsayaka is currently pregnant, so she won't be fighting anytime soon. Aspen Ladd and Sarah McMahon, um, we were going to talk about that later, but those two women are booked to fight each other. So maybe the winner of Aspen Ladd versus Sarah McMahon would be an option for Holly Holm. Right now, there isn't a lot of options for her at 135 pounds because, you know, she isn't going to get someone ahead of her in the rankings. And um, she, you know, has already beat a couple of the women behind her or right behind her in the rankings. So there aren't there isn't a lot of fresh blood for Holm at 135. I'm going to be interested to see where they want to go with her. Um, If Holm were smart, I wouldn't mind her beating the drum for a rematch with Vieira. just simply based off the fact that, you know, you probably won that fight. And, you know, I think you can make the argument that you deserve a rematch um, and see what you can do. Uh, that might be her best option um, at the current moment. You know, you can go out there and, and try calling out Vieira and seeing if you can get that rematch. If not, you just settle for Ladd and, and McMahon and take the winner of that. You know, um, it's not the best game plan but I, I, I'm not sure that she has much better options so it's kind of my thought process there and then moving on to Michelle Pieda versus Santiago Ponzinibbio um, this like I said earlier not the best decision I think you can make a strong case that Santiago Ponzinibbio won rounds two and three I think Michelle Pieda very clearly won round one um, however, this is one of the fights where I'm going to go back to my traditional thinking of, hey, I'm not going to sit here and argue who won the fight. Because in this fight especially, Michelle Pieda was the only one who clearly won a round, right? Round one is clearly Michelle Pieda's. Um, Santiago Panzanibio, on the other hand, he probably won round two and three. However... You know, those aren't as clear of rounds. So the best round in this fight goes to Pajeda in the first. Rounds two and three were a lot closer. With that being said, if you win two rounds, you deserve to win the fight. However, if you, you know, narrowly scrape out two rounds, you're not in a great position. Um, Because, you know, that's the type of fight where the judges are going to swing the wrong way if you don't have a clear round under your belt, you know. If Pondinibio was able to go out there and, you know, dominantly win round two, and then it'd be 1-1 going into three, Ponzinibbio is a lot more likely to get that third round, um, just based off the judge's, you know, view of the fight. So, I'm not going to complain too much about this fight. The the My biggest takeaway is that Michelle Pajeda and Santiago Pondinibio are two very, very good fighters. Ponzinibbio just went to war with Jeff Neal as well. And you can make, once again, a very good argument that Santiago Ponzinibbio also won that fight. So, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on Ponzinibbio yet. Do I think he's going to be a champion like he, you know, once seemed like he would? 
No, I, I'm not necessarily that high. But I don't think Ponzinibbio is, you know, a bad fighter. I think right now he's going to fall out of the rankings, and I'll probably say he's the best unranked fighter at 180 or 170 pounds, excuse me. And Michel Pajeda um, also showed that he deserves to be ranked. Even if he lost that fight, even if you think he lost, I, I still think he's one of the best fighters in the world at 170, and especially one of the top 15 fighters at 170. He, he did a lot of good things against a very tough opponent that wasn't really the best matchup for him. You know, obviously you can get a great grappler in there and they're going to be a really bad matchup for Pajeda. But if you're just throwing two strikers in there like Pereira and Santiago Ponzinibbio, you know, Ponzinibbio is a tough ask for Pajeda because he's so tough, because he's so durable, because he can get into a war like that and win round three. Uh, because he can do those things, because he can move forward and throw combos. Um, really tough ask for Michelle Pajeda, but he went out there and performed well. He won the first round. He landed some really big shots. Um, he showed why he was in there, and he also really cleaned up a lot of his flaws. Um, he still gassed a little bit near the end of the third, um, um, pretty badly actually, and that's not a great sign for his future. However, the things that I like from Michelle Pajeda and the things that I don't like, I saw a lot more of the things I like than the things I don't like, right? I saw a lot more of, you know, his, you know, long straight that really hits right on the button. I saw him working the body very well, which is another thing I really like from Michelle. And I didn't see a lot of wasted movement. I didn't see him, you know, run off the side of the cage and try and throw a backflip you know, and, and then throw a spinning heel kick and then throw eight flying knees in a row. You just didn't see that, which I think is good things that are, are out of his game. Um, but he still kept the explosiveness and did so against a good fighter in Ponzinibbio. So I think after this one, my stock is higher on Michel Pijeda and Santiago Ponzinibbio. I think they both put themselves in really, really strong positions. Now, um, what is next for these fighters? Um, the, you know, these guys are in, they're now in two very different positions. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio, even though I think he has fought well, um, he is now one and three in his last four. Right? He's got the loss to Lee Jing Liang, he's got the loss to Jeff Neal, and he's got the loss to Michelle Pijeda. So, even though I think he is a really, really good fighter, it's just he is in a bad spot. Um, Pereira, on the other hand, is moving up in this division, and he will be fighting ranked opponents next. So, we will first start with Santiago Ponzinibbio. And at 100, or excuse me, we'll first start with Michelle Pijeda. I'm all over the place today. Um, if I were Michelle Pijeda, um, there's a couple names you can go. I think Li Jingliang, or Li Jingliang just got booked today. Um, Jeff Neal at 12 is not a bad spot to, and not a bad guy to call your shot against. Um, that's probably the way I would go. Jeff Neal versus Michelle Pijeda 
And I know we called out the likes. I think he called out Masvidal and Nate Diaz. You know, you're not getting either of those fights. Um, he called out Masvidal years ago, I think, too. Um, at the end of the day, he's not getting either of those fights. And I think there are just some spots where you're probably going to want to lean away, right? If I'm Michelle Pejeda, I don't really want to see Michael Chiesa or, you know, I don't want to see Shavkat Rachmanov. However, I think those are two very possible fights for Michelle Pieda next. Um, maybe if you do want to fight someone in the upper portion of that division, if you're Michelle Pieda, maybe Wonder Boy would be a better direction to aim your targets. Um, I think that's a really fun fight and a much better stylistic matchup for him than someone like Sean Brady. Um, and I think Masvidal is going to be fighting another big name opponent next. Um, Steven Wonderboy Thompson is the type of guy who would be more than willing to fight someone um, at the bottom portion of the rankings based off his uh, previous performances. And then for Ponzinibbio, right, I don't think Ponzinibbio should go far. I'm not convinced that he's going to be fighting a ranked guy next. However, he needs to fight someone just outside of the rankings and then let the rankings shuffle around a little bit and then jump back into the rankings. So, um, Nico Price, not a bad name. Um, if Kevin Holland can beat Tim Means, Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzinibbio sounds like a lot of fun. Um, Randy Brown, not a bad name. Um, Daniel Rodriguez, not a bad name. Those are just kind of some of the names that I'm thinking. Chaos Williams, who's a little bit further outside the rankings coming off a loss. Um, you know... Might be a favorable matchup for Ponzinibbio um, and might be something he looks at. Um, Robbie Lawler, if Robbie Lawler can beat Brian Barbarena, maybe we do Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, maybe he, you know, wants to call out someone like um, Cowboy Cerrone, Cowboys fighting Joe Lozon a little bit later in the year, you know. Cowboy isn't someone who is ranked, you know, or, or almost ranked. But for Ponzinibbio, that's a fight he could win. Get back on track. Now you're two and three since you return. And then maybe you go back into the rankings. So he's either going to fight someone just outside those rankings or fight someone who is, you know, a bigger name. Like a Robbie Lawler. Like a uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Now, moving on, Chidi Njokuwani versus Dusko Todorovich. Um, Chidi Njokuwani looked really, really good. Dusko Todorovich is a good grappler, right? Dusko Todorovich does not get his love for his grappling. He, um, I think they mentioned it on the broadcast team, but he uh, was on scholarship to wrestle for the Serbia national team, I believe. Maybe getting some of those details wrong, but he was on scholarship to wrestle. He was a good wrestler, you know. He's got some ground about ground and pound victories in the past. He's done really good work on the ground. Now, um, Chidi and Jokuwani, who is also a black belt, he went out there, almost finishes that with I think what what I think it was a Dars, um, but um, he didn't end up getting that, so he works back to his feet. And lands a massive elbow exiting the clinch. I love it, right? If you're in a position where, all right, 
Dusko's going to try and grapple me. He doesn't want to give me the separation. He doesn't want to let me throw my hands. So I'll land an elbow on your temple and put you to sleep when we're leaving the clinch. Um, really smart and worked out perfectly. So Chidi and Jokowani at 185 pounds. I really like Chidi and Jokowani. Um, and Dusko Todorovic is a good win. He's a talented guy. And he wasn't a great matchup for Chidi. But Chidi was able to go out there and find that chin. Now, for Chidi moving forward at 185 pounds, he is going to start fighting some really tough guys. Um, his wins over Marc-Andre Berriot and um, Dusko are two very good wins. Now, looking at who he's fighting next, there's a lot of guys here outside these rankings that are booked. Um, Brendan Allen's booked. Joaquin, Joaquin Buckley and Albert Durev are fighting here soon. And I, and I think they're fighting in a couple weeks. If Joaquin Buckley wins, that would be a good fight. Joaquin Buckley versus Chidi and Jokuwani. You have Jamie Pickett versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Um, that might not be a bad fight if he's able to go out there. Or if um, whoever wins that fight wouldn't be a bad fight for Chidi. Um, who else we got here? Edmund Shabazian on a three-fight skid. I'm not necessarily sure that that fight happens next. But um, Shabazian versus Chidi eventually. Maybe Chidi's one fight away from an Edmund Shabazian fight. I think down the line, that's a very good fight to make. Alessio DiCirio. That's not how you say his name, but that's what comes out of my mouth every time I read his name. Alessio DiCirico. Oh, man. Um, I think that'd be a good one. Um, there, there's a handful of guys here. Those are just some of the ones I'm thinking right now for Chidi and Jokuwani. Treshawn Gord fighting Josh Fremud, or Fremd. I'm terrible with some of these names. Um, Treshawn's a lot more inexperienced. Brian Battle, too. Just some names. Um, if Brian Battle can go out and get another win. Those are some guys who are underneath uh, of Chidi and kind of how the division is playing out. Um, but, you know, they might eventually run into Chidi somewhere along the road. I don't think those fights are next. Um, decision unanimous. Tabitha Ricci versus Pollyanna Viana. And this, you know, Viana looked good in there and she just made a lot of mistakes and did some things that aren't going to win you fights. And Tabitha Ricci on the other hand, did a really good job of identifying those things and going out there and exposing them, right? Um, the number one thing that uh, Viana does is she's more than willing to accept position on the bottom, right? And that's because she's so good with her jiu-jitsu that she will let you take her down and just try to work subs off her back. That is all well and good if you can get the sub, but if you don't get that sub, you're going to find yourself losing a unanimous decision 30-27 for the other fighter. That's just what happens if you fight that style of fight. And it bit her in this one. Um, she wasn't able to find a submission. She lost. Um, Tabitha Ricci, on the other hand, did a great job of going out there, getting the takedown, and staying out of danger, and, and keeping herself in good position on top. 
Um, Biana's tricks that she does off the bottom. She really likes setting up triangle to go arm bar. Um, a lot of girls in the past have fell for that and have been tapped in the first round. Richie did not fall for it, and um, Viana ended up paying the price with a loss. So, um, Richie, really good job of, you know, closing the distance. Pollyanna Viana had a lot of reach and height advantage in this one, and she has really good kicks and straight punches. I like what I saw from Viana on the feet in terms of progression, but ultimately Richie gets the takedowns, gets enough control and some ground and pound from the top to get herself a good win. Um, I forgot that went to a decision, and I said three, or I said all three of the decisions were wrong decisions. I said that at the top, um, there were four decisions. Three of them, you could make the argument, were wrong, and we're going to go into the last bad decision. Jung Young Park versus Eric Anders. Um, Jung Young Park, you know, you can really make the argument Eric Anders won this one. Um, I think this is somewhere in between the Michelle Pajeda win and somewhere between the Catherine Vieira win in terms of um, decisions. Um, Jung, Jung Young Park just didn't land enough offense in this one. I don't really have much to say other than that wasn't the best uh, decision. Now, um, we're going to speed through the prelims again and just highlight some of the things I liked. Jill, Jilton Almeida went out there and got a submission of Parker Porter. If you don't know, Almeida looked really good at 205 pounds, bumped up to 265. Parker Porter on a three-win, three-fight win streak. Jilton Almeida was able to go out there, picked him up. Um, even though Parker Porter is a big boy, Jilton Almeida was strong enough to pick him up, get a takedown, and eventually find himself a sub in the first round. Almeida looks really good. He's going to be really good at 205 pounds and um, may go back up to 265, but right now we'll see what he can do at 205. Um, Chase Hooper looks really good. We saw a lot of progression from him on the feet and in the wrestling. He was a lot better at getting the fight to the ground, and when the fight wasn't on the ground, he was landing some decent shots and doing a lot better at keeping himself out of danger. Used his jujitsu to just wear um, Felipe Carlares. At the end of the day, he didn't find a submission, but he worked and worked and worked and worked and worked on the ground. And um, Carlares just couldn't keep pace. Eventually, Chase Hooper is able to get that third round TKO. Um, saw a lot of progression from him. Um, Kolaris isn't the best at defending takedowns, so I will be a little bit more interested to see how Chase does against someone who's got a little bit better cardio and a little bit better takedown defense. But for, for now, um, we saw improvements in some areas where Chase Hooper needed to improve. Is he there yet? No, um, but he was. he's making improvements that he needs to make. Always a positive. Um, what else we have? Eros Medic got himself a really nice finish of Omar Morales, and Joseph Holmes got himself a really nice finish of Alan Amendovsky. So two great finishes there. Martinez um, really controlled uh, the, the his fight with Vince Morales and got himself a unanimous decision victory. And Sam Hughes landed some really strong elbows to put out Elise Reed. All, all really good fights. Not a lot of great fights on this fight card um, coming in. You know, 
there weren't a, there wasn't a lot of name value or there were only three ranked fighters on this card but ultimately we saw a lot of good fights i'm happy with saturday's card um so that's just my thoughts on that now let's roll right into quickly um go over some fight bookings uh, we're going to go by date once again. I don't have much to say. Just telling you what has been booked. Shane Burgos versus Charles Jordan, July 2nd, UFC 276. That is a great fight. And if that wasn't enough, Brad Riddell and Jalen Turner, July 2nd, UFC 276. So two fights that just absolutely scream fight of the night. Um, they put them on the same card, and that card is already a stacked pay-per-view. Those two fights are going to be on the prelims. I'm almost 100% positive. I haven't looked into it at, at all, but based off of the stacked main card, these two fights are probably going to, going to be somewhere in the middle to late portion of the prelims, and they're going to be great fights. Um, that's what I'll say. Brad Riddell is ranked at 155 pounds, I believe, and Jalen Turner is testing those rankings. If I were to pick a fighter to get a ranked fight at 155 pounds who is not in the rankings, I'm not sure that I would have gone with Jalen Turner. However, just seeing and imagining the violence that this fight uh, promises um, is why they made this fight. All right, so July 16th had three fight bookings. Um, the first of which was Li Jingliang versus Muslim Salikov. Um, Jingliang ranked and Salikov unranked. Salikov was ranked, um, and then he fell out of the rankings when Shavkat Rachmanov entered. So this makes a level of sense here. Um, should be a pretty good fight, probably close. Um, Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore. We've got two guys ranked at 135. I believe they are 12 and 14 in the rankings um Simone when Simone is on he looks really really good but sometimes he doesn't always look um in top form but when Simone is looking good he looks great Jack Shore great wrestler um to me this is you know we've got two guys in a similar position in the rankings who both have an opportunity to get a win and then move up in the rankings and kind of break through um, similar to when Sadiq Yusuf and Arnold Allen fought, and they were both in that 10 to 15 position. Um, not the same weight class and not the same type of fighter, but that's kind of how I view this one in terms of what's at stake. Um, Billy Quarantillo versus Bill Aglio, also on July 16th. Not the best fight. Um, you know, not ranked guys, but Billy Quarantillo. Uh, loves getting in wars, so I had to make sure he was on this list. And then the championship fight is Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena 2. Will headline July 30th. And, you know, we knew this fight was going to happen. They're coaching tough. We'll talk a little bit more about tough later. But, um, really, this fight card needed another title shot. And... Looking at what we have booked, we've got Moreno versus Aska or Kaikar France for a interim 125-pound belt. Uh, that fight isn't going to sell great, so they're putting what they believe to be um, a 
yeah, what Dana said was this the best female or it should be the highest selling female fight of all time. Let's see if it pans out like that. But regardless, that fight needed another headline. And I think Nunes and Pena were really the only ones. If you look at what is already booked for champions, uh, Volkanovski booked, Adesanya booked, Teixeira booked, Shevchenko booked, um, Sterling just fought. Um, 125 pounds, like I said, interim belt on this card. Um, 155, Charles just fought. Um, 170, Usman's injured. Heavyweight, Francis is injured. So, you know, you didn't have a lot of options if you wanted to add another title, so I'm not surprised they made this fight. Um, I'm sure you could have figured this out on your own, that this fight was going to get put on this day. So, nothing too crazy there. Um, kind of industry standard. Um, also on July 30th, we'll have Drew Dober versus Rafael Alves. This will probably be a prelim fight, but um, Drew Dober, very exciting fighter. Uh, he's been in the rankings before. I'm not sure if Alves has off the top of my head Drew Dober, but um, his loss to Riddell pushed him back a little bit. So if he can get another one here, um, we'll see where he can go. And then already talked about Aspen Ladd versus Sarah McMahon, but um, that will be on August 13th. And, you know, the winner of that will fight someone top five in the 135-pound women's rankings. You know, we'll see. And then Devin Clark versus Azamat Mirzakhanov, uh, August 13th. This is another fight. Two guys unranked, um, working their way back to the rankings. Clark, I believe he at least fought ranked competition. I don't know if he ever had a number next to his name. If he did, it was, you know, 13, 14, 15. So uh, he's trying to work his way back into those rankings. Bruno Silva coming off a loss to Alex Pereira. He will fight Gerald Merchardt. Um I'm surprised they made this fight. I didn't think Gerald Merchardt was going to get someone as high as Bruno Silva. Bruno looked really good against Pereira. He didn't win, but um, he had to, he had some really good success against Pereira. And considering Pereira's kickboxing um, pedigree, that's meaningful. So Bruno Silva versus Gerald Merchardt, August 13th. Now, that is the last fight booking we had to talk about. So like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about the Ultimate Fighter. And this new season of The Ultimate Fighter is improving. Um, I've seen some things that I've liked. Um, you know, there was a fight between Mohamed Usman and Michel Sipe that was very entertaining. I won't tell you who won if you haven't watched, but it was a good fight. And um, there was a lot of trash talk. That was very interesting. Um, the thing that I liked the most, we're seeing more from training sessions and we're seeing more from um, the house. We're getting more of those interactions and we're seeing less of pre-recorded video from the, you know, the fighter's home or their hometown or their home gym. We're seeing less of that. I still like having that to establish, you know, who a person is and get to know them. That's still important. But last season, it just felt like that was taking up the whole episode. And then you've got the fight and then you've got, you know, you've got the weigh-ins and you've got the, you know, who are we fighting next? But really... I thought last season there wasn't enough of those interactions between players or between fighter and coaches and between fighter and fighter. I like seeing those. I think if you were to look back at the most, you know, entertaining moments and tough, it's, you know, 
Tony getting into a fight with a dude in the house. It's Nate, you know, joking around and having, you know, moments where he's, you know, not happy. It's, um, you know, it's things like that. It's Connor talking trash to Garbrandt and Uriah Faber. It's things like that. Um, those are some of the best moments of tough. Those obviously aren't the only ones. But if you were to Google best moments in tough, you wouldn't see, you know, a bunch of pre-recorded B-roll. Um, you'd see interactions between the contestants and between the coaches. So we're getting back to that, and I think that is very promising. Um, I'm not willing to say it's back yet, but if we keep at the pace we're at, I like where this is headed. Um, they've shown some previews where Nunez and Pena are talking a little trash. I'm excited to see those. We'll see how that pans out. Um, overall, I've seen a lot of improvements. I know it's only been three episodes, but I've seen some things that I've liked and a lot less. I, I've seen some things I didn't like, um, and I, I am a little bit critical of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, but I've seen a lot less of those things I didn't like. Um, I think this show's a lot more well-paced. A lot of small details that I think are much better this year than last year. And um, I might re-update you on that um, as the season progresses. I don't really want to spoil it in case you haven't watched it because I've gotten to the point where I assume most people haven't been watching. Um, but regardless, um, if you've enjoyed it, um, you know, weigh in i don't know if you enjoyed it or if you didn't enjoy it so um if you have watched it and enjoyed it let me know if you didn't like it let me know i'm interested to hear um now just some housekeeping things before we get out of here next weekend there is no fight card so we're obviously not previewing anything like i said earlier and um next week will probably be a little bit of a lighter episode I've done some things in the past uh, where I, I, I found some big things to talk about during weeks where there was no fight card to recap. I'll try. Um, I've done, you know, booking the complete UFC roster. I did that once. That was kind of fun, but I, I don't really want to do that again, um, at least not yet. And there have been some other things, but I'll keep my ear on the ground for any breaking news that we can talk about. I'll keep my ear on the ground for fight bookings. Um, so I'll do those things and see if I can find something interesting to talk about. If not, we'll just do a preview for UFC fight night. Volkov versus Rosenstrike might not be the best thing, might be a little light, but um, it'll be better than nothing. So um, you'll obviously, you know, next week when that comes out, you can watch that. And um, I'll tell you right at the beginning of the episode what we're going to talk about. So there's no questions. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Headkick KO podcast. And I hope you come back next week and I hope you like and subscribe. Um, but most importantly, thank you for watching this episode of the Headkick KO podcast.